Hey guys, Matt Quiggins here with the Quiggin' Out MMA Podcast, Episode 3. Tonight my guests are Esther Lynn herself and Casey Lydon, both of MMAfighting.com and a dynamic duo. Stay tuned. Alright guys, so here we are with the third episode of the Quiggin' Out MMA Podcast. I am have the honor and privilege today... <laughs> Of being joined by two of the pioneers of the MMA media, Esther Lynn herself and Casey Layden. 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 Come on, man. We sorry. About this. I'm sorry. Only, 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 only one request. One request. He actually doesn't know how it's pronounced. I don't know. I just I make it up. I, I actually forget how to say it. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that makes it a little bit better. So, um, thank you both for taking the time. I know. Um, our schedules in the, the media world have kind of lightened up, unfortunately, uh, due to, uh, I'm going to say it, coronavirus. I've been trying to avoid it as much as possible because that's all anybody's talking about. So um, I'm going to get quick reactions about what you guys thought about, you know, Dana trying to go forward with everything this upcoming weekend. And Casey already rolled his eyes, so actually I'm just kidding. What I really want to know is how you guys both got started individually and how you met. Um, in the MMA world, like what brought you to it? Yeah, got you there, Casey. <laughs> oh, uh, well, we met on the internet uh, years before MMA stuff, um, just a couple of years. Casey had just moved out to LA and he was working on a documentary. So um, we, uh, both of us were in production, like film and TV and commercial production. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> go on, no, Casey no, goes no, that. No, oh no, no. There's, there's more to that story. Chapter two. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we met um, about 15 years ago or so, and um, way before I even knew what MMA even stood for. Um, it was back when you, the UFC to me was just. Um, it was next. You go to Blockbuster Video, and it was next to like the Faces of Death VHS tapes. That's <laughs> all it was to me. I didn't know. I, didn't, didn't know about MMA, didn't really follow it at all. It, just, it was just, it was human cockfighting at that point when we met. Um, then we worked on a documentary together. That was done. And then uh, basically uh, through the documentary, one of the producers, a producer, a friend of the producer, happened to be um, starting a new company called um, Elite XE. And um, they, needed, um, they needed someone to edit some highlight reels. Uh, they gave me a bunch of jungle fight DVDs. They go, hey, here's 400 bucks. Make a two-minute sizzle reel so we can get more investors. I made a two-minute sizzle reel. I had you know, a bunch of dudes punch. Uh, you know, but I had like six DVDs put together. Uh, and I cut it to um, New Noise by Refused. And, um, yeah, I, got, I did that. Handed it off to them. Got paid 400 bucks. And then they got more money. They hired me. And then... I hired her, or I helped get her, her, her hired. She was originally a graphic designer, and then uh, yeah, now we're here. Stuck I mean, in our homes. <laughs> your, your your social that's distancing. That's, that's, that's the short version of it. Yeah, I don't know. Did I skip anything important, Esther? No, that's a good short version of it. Yeah. So Casey and I went out when we were both working in um, television and uh, or just documentary production. Um, I was working in like commercial production. So um, and then after that. Uh, I was like, oh, this is, production world is kind of crazy, 
so is an MMA. That's how it kind of works out. You know, we ended up actually, he skipped a big part of it, which is one of the, we actually joined Elite XC before it had a name. Um, because Casey was actually originally hired to do the pilot of a reality show involving Gary Shaw and his son. Whoa. I, 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 I have the pilot the pilot and everything. It never got released. Um, but uh, if you catch me in the real world, we'll, we'll sit down and we'll watch the seven-minute pilot. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% in for that. <laughs> it's very, it's very that's, that's a big... How do you skip that? It was, before, it was shot before uh, the first VXC. So it involved like, the first press conferences, them signing the first fighters, them sitting around the room trying to figure out what they're going to call the company, things like that. I mean, oh, all the way to trying to figure out what they were going to fight him. Huh? Oh. They had to um, decide, well, they couldn't do an octagon, obviously, so they were trying to decide what uh, thing they would be fighting inside of. So that was also <laughs> part of the discussion. The gladiator pit, yeah. Yeah, at one point was they a... were discussing a gladiator pit. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was, yeah. Well, it was different. I mean, like, it was funny because um, at the time, like like I said, I knew nothing about sports. They, like, um, they brought me in because I was good at shooting and editing just films in general. So, like, here, you know, it's like a, to me it was like, oh, yeah, that's just, just, like, just like Don King, you know. That's why, that, that was my impression. These are just other, a different version of Don King. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, so I went to New York. I was in the Showtime offices. I shot a lot. <laughs> Just ridiculous stuff, like just the ideas that probably floated around at that time that I thought were completely normal. But now, the now you look back and you're like, "Yeah, that's so, crazy." Yeah. And then that happened. Then yeah, then um, EXE happened. EXE folded. Um, at that by that point, we had actually made friends in the sport, so we started doing some little um, short kind of documentaries, kind of in the vein of like twenty four seven and things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, then we got then she got hired on by Showtime and Strike Force. Um, I got hired basically around that time. That's when I met um, Aaron Hawani. Um, then I then I started working with him, and then me and him kind of um, became like a little duo for I don't know seven eight years. And we um, yeah we traveled and everything and did the whole uh, um, we went to like over hundred pay per views together. Then, uh, yeah, and then uh, a couple years ago, ESPN hired him, and now I'm still, I'm still MMA fighting, and I um, enjoy it, and uh, yeah, somehow I'm still here. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> <laughs> and that brought you, you know, way forward, like you said, you know, there's so many people you talk to who kind of get pulled into the sport, because like you said, it's, well, this looks interesting, you know, it's kind of crazy. Like, Esther, for you, like, what was it like being, you know, thrust into that, that world for the first time and going, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> so, like, the very Every first day. event I photographed um, was a smoker in a gym, and uh, I, that was my first time meeting, like, a lot of the people in the industry. Uh, I didn't know who I was meeting, of course, but, like, you know, all the Sherdog guys were there, and there were people from other websites, Weekly, and things like that, and I, I was just there, just working. <laughs> I had no idea I was there with Elite XP, because they, they were streaming it or something. Um... And my impression was just, this is wild. It seems just kind of slapped together. <laughs> um, but it's fun in that way, I guess. It just seemed like this uh, 
uh, Casey and I had this, this discussion yesterday, but we were, you know, there as when it was coming up. So it, it feels like um, there's just all this, uh, just, you were, you were there during during the, the, the dumb times, too. You know? Like so the feeling out process, yeah. Yeah, the feeling out process. So you were like, when they didn't quite know, they like the rules were set, but like, um, you know, green girls were kind of all over the place or like the ideas of like how they wanted to present the show or the fights or any of that stuff, you know, um, just all of that was still really new. And just, just down to thinking like how, like now if we go to an event, like we have dress codes, right, for media um, and things like that. At the time, none of that obviously was in play. So you would go to an event and like, half the people would just be wearing like a fighter's t-shirt in the media or whatever, or like their tank top. Oh my you God. Know, like, people were just, you know, just showed up and whatever. Um, I think I made a joke once to Dave Mendel, who used to work for a shirt dog that mm-hmm. like, um, I was like, do you think I would get better pictures if I just wore like Daisy Dukes to shoot? It's just maybe like people would just <laughs> let me in closer. <laughs> so. Well, and that's, like you said, you've, you've kind of watched the up and coming, you've kind of watched it develop, you know, to use a, you know, film reference, why not? Um, <laughs> it's cheesy, I know. But really you have, and, you know, as someone who started watching in 2008, 2009, you guys had already kind of been ingrained in that scene for a little bit. You know, how how have things changed, you know, like you said, besides dress codes, but for media-wise, for you two, what, what are the biggest changes you've seen in the last... 10, let's just say 10 years, make it an even number. I mean, social media changed everything. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the big thing, so, social media. Like, when, when, I, when I first, probably the first three or four years, I worked, when I worked for promoters, like, I worked for Elite XC, and, and like, I did some work for Strike Force. Like, I always actually, I never thought about the MMA media. It was just something that was there. I was just more concerned about my job and just, you know, getting my, um, I was doing like promos and like, you know, countdown shows and things like that. Um, so like the media, actually, I, I didn't, they were just kind of background to me. I didn't, they, I didn't really think of them that much. Now, once I started actually working on the media side and understanding what, what the hell journalism is, <laughs> and kind of switching and switching my focus, my brain, um, cause it's different. It's a, you're, 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 you're looking at the same thing, but you're looking at it from a different point of view. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, uh, uh, I enjoyed it actually. Uh, I enjoyed the people I met. Um, then when so then yeah, then I met Ariel, and then me and him headed off, and we just had a really, uh, just a really, we both had a really high work ethic. So that that was the main thing that really matched. I think because before that, before I met Ariel, um, he had when he traveled the cities, he they basically got a Craigslist, hired random camera guys, and it was always he said it was always oh, a disaster. And essentially, he saw some of my videos. I started doing as a freelancer. And he was like, "We're going to. L- I, I'm gonna be in LA." And he called me up, and he got his Eric got his boss to you know, throw me some money, and we did such a good job. He basically told those guys who were, uh, I think at that time were uh, was it AOL. was it AOL? Oh yes, my AOL. god! <laughs> yeah, 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 AOL. Um, that hey, pay this guy to travel with me, like instead of hiring locals. And so, and all of a sudden, it wasn't something I planned to do. It was just like okay, and I, I didn't have a job that week, you know, because I was a freelancer just picking up gigs in L.A., mm-hmm. and pretty soon, you know, there was a pay-per-view once a month, so I was like, all right, that's a week of work every month, that's good, and then 
pretty soon there were more fight nights. It's like, oh, okay, I'm working two weeks every month. Mm-hmm. And then, then pretty soon you're like four or five years into this, and you're like, oh shit, this is my job now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it took you four or five years. <laughs> I, I, I would say so before. It's kind of like, oh wait, this is what I do. I, this isn't just like a you know, side gig. And like, and at that point, like, me and me, I'm like, like I follow sports and things like that. But like, once I really got into MMA, like, like sticking ball sports, I just didn't care about it anymore because there was so much MMA to watch and to understand to catch up on. I mean, like, I started, we started working, we started working in MMA probably around UFC, around, like, UFC 60s. 50s, oh, like, God, 50s, the 50s. heyday. So, yeah. <laughs> so, 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 so right, right when it was, like, really started, boom, you get, you get, Yeah, the very like, first pay-per-view we paid for was um, George St. Pierre getting knocked out by Matt Sarah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so, um, yeah, my, my funny joke about this is, like, so like we're like okay like we're we're so we're working for the competitors but I knew I knew Lee was like me I knew UFC was a big deal so I was mm-hmm. like all right so we paid the money and some friends over and then when Sarah knocked out GSP I'm like cool like I was like I was like I didn't know I didn't know it was a big upset I was like if you if you don't know anything you're like ah Sarah he's got bigger arms than the little French guy of course he won <laughs> so I was like what the? I was like yeah he's like he's got a little New York accent yeah he looks way tougher than the Frenchy guy. So, so I, I had no clue it was an upset at the time. Yeah, when we started, we were—I mean, we were hired simply for our experience in production. So it was just like, um, uh, yeah, we didn't actually know anything about me, and we had to learn all of that in the first couple of years. So uh, it's funny because I was just seeing—you know—I know we didn't want to talk too much about like UFC 249 coronavirus, but I saw Ben Folks was saying, you know, he just thought it was weird that a lot of fans think that we didn't want the event to happen considering that most of us got into this because we were fans like yeah i think casey and i didn't start that way but we obviously became fans and in in a way that like erased all other sports in our life and everything else we did um and uh but for the most part that would be the difference like when i first started i remember it was mostly like fans working and so there was kind of a varying degree of professionalism uh not in a bad way just kind of like it was very like wild west so just people were kind of we did a lot of like you know interviews in the hotels or whatever you just kind of like find people Mm -hmm. um and it slowly became more structured later yeah we still do but it slowly became more structured later but at first it was a lot of like just kind of hustling and running around and hoping somebody would let them interview, uh, let us interview them here or there. Um, yeah. And so now it's very like, uh, now if you go to UFC fight week, everything's like scheduled out, you're allowed to do these things. Um, a lot of the extra stuff, um, is harder. And, um, because of social media, actually now we have so many other little things to do. Um, and like, there wasn't like a, a, a way for people to get the stuff instantly before mm-hmm. so we could wait till the end of the day to transmit it you know um like before when i used to shoot photos when the first couple of years we were shooting fights i didn't send photos until the end of the night um like when we were done which we i was just sitting in the press room and sending them uh, but now i in between every round i'm sitting there marking the ones that i want and then in between each fight i'm uploading them oh my god um, yeah <laughs> people that's just how it's consumed now mm-hmm. you know so i would say that the difference is just like the speed in which we we uh distribute everything like it's way faster everything gets seen way sooner 
Um, and it's just uh, because of that, I, I there's just it kind of go like rushes by. It definitely feels like a lot more is happening, but like all at once. So is that a is that a good thing? Would you like sometimes for it to kind of slow down, or do you feel like you guys have been doing it long enough where that is the the new norm? I miss the um, when when there was only one event a month at most. I do miss the anticipation of that. You know, there was such like a kind of a buildup, and at the time we didn't go to all of the events. So when they first when we were going when pay per views weren't quite as often. Mm-hmm. Um, if we weren't assigned to it, Casey and I would have like a huge barbecue. We'd have a bunch of people over, and like, you know, it was like a thing. But now, but now it happens so often that it's not an event anymore. So like, we we go to our work ones, but the ones we're not working because they happen so much. Uh, we don't make it a celebration anymore. We don't do it a thing. We do it up where we all kind of sit around and watch together. So, oh, um, and you can't. <laughs> Because now I'm sitting there watching it, you know. So now I'm, I'm sitting there instead of like just being a fan um, and watching, enjoying the fights. Every weekend I have off that I'm not at a fight. I'm sitting there live tweeting about the fights, writing a play-by-play or something like that instead. So. <laughs> and it's once you start, like you said, you guys started out as fans and moved into, you no, know. We well, no, no, we didn't start out as fans. Or started yeah. out, yeah, became fans, sorry. Yeah, became fans. <laughs> I was giving you a chance to correct me again. That was yeah. I got. I only got two though. That's it. But you guys started out not as fans. You know, you were just doing a job, and you grew to love it. And I think that's the difference between MMA and every other sport. And we've, you know, I've talked about it before. I said, but MMA isn't like any other sport. You know, you're not watching a football game that scores forty-eight to nothing with two minutes left, and the other team can still win. It's not possible. Yeah. yeah. But you go back to a Silva sauna, and there's you know. You know, Korean Zombie Yari Rodriguez, where you're like fifth round. There's no way this is going to happen, and something crazy happens. And I think to this day, there are too many fights. And I say that yeah. I love fighting. I would watch it every single yeah. day. But there's sometimes where you're just like, I need a break. Yeah. And I think if we take anything positive out of this drought that we're going to have, hopefully just for a couple months, is that people will have a new appreciation for the sport. People will, you know, maybe if they spread them out just a little bit, like you said, when they were one a month, you were like, you got all your friends together. It was a huge celebration. Then it was like every two weeks, you're like, all right, I, I, I can't spend 70 bucks a month every time. So um, for you guys, it's just crazy to see just getting to work together. So that was the next part of what I was going to talk about. And I'll let Casey start with this one. What's it like working together? Um you know, side by side and doing what you guys love for a living. It just happened. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it wasn't like a plan. It was just like we were both freelancers, you know, working, doing the gig economy in L.A., you know, picking up jobs. And then I started getting some steady work, you know, and then I was like, hey, you guys need a photographer or a graphic designer? I was like, I know someone, you know, <laughs> and then she started working, got good at photos. And then it became... It, it, it just became, she got really good at photos. <laughs> the best, <laughs> but I mean, I'm not going to. She got the best at photos. And um, then it just became actually, um, economically, it made sense for when we traveled. It's like, well, hey, you know, you bring Esther, we can share a hotel room. You know, it was really just, it made financial sense for our employers, you know. So, and then I help her, no, I don't really help her. I, I carry the heavy things for her. <laughs> <laughs> 
morning when I show yeah. So like, but, but like she's also like really she's also like everything I do she can do the same thing too. I can't do the stuff she can do. <laughs> like she knows she can pick up my camera and shoot an interview and things like that. So she would she she became like my my assistant too. You know when we we did like big kind of shoots of Ariel did like these like walk and talks of Connor or things something like that. Like she's a person holding another camera or holding a microphone. You know so like she was. I don't know. It was just uh, it. It just made sense, and we and somehow she tolerated me for <laughs> fifteen years, and then yeah, it was yeah, it wasn't like a plan. It was just it just never it never it never sucked. So we kept going with it. I don't know. Yeah, production in itself is always like a collaborative thing. Anyway, it's not you can't make a we could, but for the most part, most most films. Movies, anything, anything you want to make, most of it requires more than one person, mm-hmm. um, especially if you want to do it well. Um, so, yeah, we just uh, learned each other's crafts. So, like, I, I had come from a video and film back um, production background anyway before I met Casey, so I knew how to do all that stuff. So when he needed a second person to shoot cameras, to, to edit, to edit extra footage, or to just call people up and do, you know, product like producing. Just make sure the locations are there and make sure the equipment gets there. That's all the kind of stuff that I do on the side, too. So um, it just kind of worked out. We just knew each other's needs very much, very well. So it was just easier to work with each other. And then throughout time, we've actually added a couple people in who we bring in who kind of understand the way our system works and things like that and how we do do stuff. So Do you have a name for your system? Is there a collaborative name? No. The next time you teach it to somebody, just say it's it's the Esther way or something along those lines, and just keep rolling with it until they're like, "Wait, what? I've never heard of this before." No, no, no it's revolutionary. We got this. <laughs> the only thing I like, I I like to joke around that we brought to MMA necessarily the media is a uh, properly tying cables. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Well, I, I, I see media guys like wrapping cables like this around the arm. Like, oh man. Yeah. No, and I've <laughs> you like <laughs> well, I hope in the the annals of MMA history they get cable proper cable tying. It really matters. Listen, and you've got to do it right. And I've been to you know probably a fraction of the events you guys have been to, but on the local stage a lot more. And you'll see people tripping over camp, you know, tripping over wires. You'll see the tape coming off the ground. Um, I remember at a Bellator event, they, they ran into the corner, you know, corner, and, um, the cameraman started falling backwards. And I just thought, oh, that camera's going to hurt somebody (laughs) when it falls. And I was like, I know that's a terrible thing. And, um, it's just really, people don't think about how much really goes into a production. So for you guys... Has it, it's gotten easier over the years, but obviously things have been streamlined. There's more people that understand what's going on. And, you know, the, the dress code thing and, you know, not cheering for a fighter, things that you, sh- you know, that should have been common knowledge on Media Row, but haven't really, you know, been enforced. So I'm glad to see that, you know, something that's actually changing. So kind of changing gears. What was the first fight you ever shot? Do you remember everything about it or barely anything since you've shot so much? 
so I actually don't remember the exact first fight because it was it was that night I told you uh, I shot a smoker mm-hmm. in the gym, but I do remember the most. Uh, I remember it Jane, very much Jane, because of Jane, some. Jane, 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 are you really gonna? Are you really gonna? Oh, really gonna <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, so that's why I remember that night so much, is because he fought um, on that on that card. Um, so uh, Shane Del Rosario fought, um, and uh, he won that night. And I remember uh, thinking this guy's gonna be really good one day. So that was really. Uh, I remember that. I remember just being amazed at like the fashion <laughs> choices people were making. Um, and just, yeah, it was kind of a culture shock, um, and uh, just because, especially because it just seems so far from like LA as well. Like it's still happening in California, but here's this like subculture of MMA that looks completely different from like Hollywood, LA. So, um. <laughs> was that before or after the uh, K1 event, the Coliseum? Before. Okay. All right, talk about that. You you can't just bring that up. <laughs> I think that, that was the first um, big event I was at. Oh, you know what? Sorry, I was wrong. That was after. You're right. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. We we did a, one of our first big events was the K1 Dynamite in US uh, at the Coliseum. Wow. That was a, a, a Brock Lesnar fought on. It was a great card. Jeez. But we didn't actually work. We didn't actually work. We worked. Uh, kind of like the uh, promotion for the event, mm-hmm. but the actual fight night, we were just kind of there as fans. Like we had no free tickets and stuff, just because we worked. So we, didn't, I, I didn't actually wasn't actually backstage or or seeing anything cool. I was just out there as a fan. So, but Esther did. We, we, we borrowed cameras and shot some you know fun photos and things like that. I remember the the mount. The, for me, I don't really remember very much in that event. Like I don't, actually don't remember broadside at all. But I remember <laughs> uh, Melvin Manhoff versus. What's his name? The Korean fighter. Um, no, man, he was on my card. It was just like this incredible fight. And I think that was like, that was the first fight that I saw as a fan just going, that's incredible. You know, like what, what just happened? Because it was a wild back and forth fight. And then Melvin Manoff gets arm barred like at the second round. And like, you know, I just seen the fans go crazy. It was just like, that was, I mean, that was like one of those, you know, handful of moments like, whoa, okay, that's, that, I'm going to remember this. You know, I've never seen anything like this. Um, what I remember was, uh, Johnny Morton getting knocked out. Um, and I remember that was a term for a little bit, getting Johnny Morton's. Oh my God. Um, because, like, he didn't train at all, and, um, he also failed his drug test, um, that day for cocaine, I think. Um. I thought he ran away from the drug test. Also, he ran away from the second three, yeah. So, he did the pre-fight, but he ran away from the first fight. Um, drug test. Um, and so California didn't want to pay him his check, um, or he had to come and take the sanction, blah, blah. So I remember that. Um, but my favorite thing I think about that event was, uh, they had a chariot for the fighters. So they would walk down, like the Coliseum is way too big of a place to have an uh, MMA event, mm-hmm. uh, that isn't going to be full because it's like 90,000. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, there were not even half full. <laughs> Um, so one whole section of it, like, 
the Olympics were held in this building, you know? So like it, and on one whole half of it was just like, uh, they just decided to make it the stage. And so when fighters came down, they had to walk down this ridiculously long set of stairs <laughs> all the way down from the top of the Coliseum where they had the, uh, Olympic torch all the way down to the bottom where the track was. And then they would get on this, um, you know, chariot, which was like a, a metal cart, like hitched onto the back of a truck. And then they just drive the truck. So all are, around. are we talking like gladiator chariot and her chariot? Are we talking like Hercules, the animated movie chariot? Yeah. You wanted it to be gladiator style, but it was just, um, aluminum pipes, but it looked cool. <laughs> I gotta find the footage of that. <laughs> hey, look at the card, actually. Look at the like Brad Pickett was on Brad Pickett versus Pop, Tokoro. Yeah, Tokoro. Oh yeah, my god. Uh, Tokoro like subbed him in like the minute. Uh, Jake Shields was on it. Uh, Antonio Big Silva was on it. Uh, oh, the Horse Gracie Sakuraba. <laughs> oh yeah. That that little fight, little fight, you know. Little fight. One of people's most indelible memories about this evening for everyone that was there or everyone that watched, is that um, for some reason they decided to hire a local uh, radio DJ to be like the event DJ. Um, and he didn't know anything about MMA. And so he kept calling Royce, Royce over and over. And he's like, yeah, give it up for Royce Gracie. Da, da, da. And then um, beyond that, when the fight obviously went to grappling, he was just like encouraging the crowd to boo because he, he thought it was boring. This is this was incredible looking back on. At the time, I didn't understand the culture of it, so it felt normal in a weird way. But the fact that but the fact that during the fight he got on. Imagine watching a UFC fight. You know they're grappling on the ground and freaking Bruce Buffer grabs Mike. You want to come on guys, let's boo them, boo! Like he literally was telling the crowd to boo. Like come on, let's fight. Like. And like I was like, yeah, fight, do it. <laughs> so I had no, I had no idea. It's like, ah, oh, two old dudes fighting. What's going on? I have no idea why this is a big deal. Like, <laughs> it's just we were just working. This, this is just kind of jobs for us at the time, you know. We, we obviously knew they were tough dudes and all that, but like I we didn't know the history of it at all. It didn't have and the same impact, like, yeah. No, and, and so like apparently the DJ that they hired for the entire arena knew even less than we did. <laughs> Oh God, and that's and I think that that comes with the stigma too that you know the MMA fans, the early MMA fans were a little rough. We'll just we'll just say rough, um, and they did have the stigma about them, um, and so I could see why you know people boo yeah let's boo them. I I would it would blow my mind if Bruce Buffer went stand up guys this sucks like <laughs> oh so for you shooting. How hard is it not to watch the fight and not shoot? Because, you know, I've shot a couple events, and there's times where you, you want to be that fan through your left eye, and you realize you have a job to do with your right eye. So how, how do you, you know, set that barrier or just kind of go into that mode of, I need to make sure I don't miss this? Um, I think because at this point, it's... Uh... At this point now, even if I'm at a fight and I'm not shooting, I want to shoot. <laughs> you know, um, I I think of images 
and I think of composition and I'm constantly looking at things. When I'm staring at it, I'm looking at a fire, I'm thinking, I wish I could get that angle or I could get this photo or whatever. Um, so I just, it's kind of like programmed in me to, to feel that way, to, to look through the lens and, and see that. For the most part, I would say I have not too hard of a time to get excited. And um, sometimes, there's been a couple of times when I haven't gotten enough, like or the right moment or whatever, because I'm just like, I am watching, you know, because you're just watching through it and you have such a good view. Mm-hmm. When, you're, when you're looking like right Yeah, when, when you're just... <laughs> Um, so every once in a while, the, the only time I've really had any problems is like when someone's getting beat up really bad, um, then I have a really hard time continuing to photograph them if they are, if they are getting very injured. Um, yeah. So like emotional stuff, like really, really heavily emotional stuff. Like it's, I know it's part of my job, but there's been a couple of times when I've seen, watched a fighter who I know personally get beat up really bad. And I realized when I go back to the photos that I really didn't shoot that many, you know, um, because I start to just kind of drop out or I just start to like kind of slow, slow my pace down because I don't want to absorb so much of like, I don't want to have such a good record of this. Yeah. Um, but it's only, it's, it's mostly like the aftermath, you know, it's like you see someone like just sobbing their eyes out and like, you know, maybe everyone else would just grab like a bunch of photos. And for me, sometimes I would just grab one photo and then just be like, I hope that turned out. Cause like, I can't keep shooting that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny cause I'll bring up the one story. The one time I had that, that moment where you just went, um, it was an amateur fight and there was a groin shot mm. and he came back from it and he got knocked out. And when he woke up, he started fighting the five people around him. And I mean, like, fighting them. And they're all trying to hold him back. His coaches are grabbing him. And I put my camera down. Because I went, no. I was like, nobody needs to see. This doesn't need to be a moment that he looks back on and sees. So I get that. And I feel like it's a it's a level of respect that you're showing. You know, when you see a fighter, he's getting punched 35 times and he's unconscious. You don't need that picture. You know, that person's in a state, and it, like you said, it's your job, but there are those moments where you're going to be like, do I really, this, does this really need to be cataloged? Yeah, I feel it's always, it's always been a, a balance, uh, and for me, I, the hardest part about this job, actually, is just the immense amount of sympathy and empathy I have <laughs> for, um, for them. You know, just, it doesn't, it doesn't ever go away. You never, you never watch a fight and, like, you know, I, I do watch fights and I get excited and I'm like, oh my god, that was so violent or crazy. But there's it's always there's, there's always that war, right? Inside you, you're always thinking, oh, but someone got hurt really bad and that kind of stuff. There's that's always there, and I I actually think that's why we like it because it's just why we like fighting. It's just so it's it's raw, so cool. yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, Casey, for you, how do you make that disconnect? He's like, oh, I'm still in this. <laughs> um. Like, uh, luckily now, but you, not luckily, but UFC now, I, like, I'm, I'm, I kind of stand backstage now, do a bunch of the interviews backstage now, like, it's, it's different, but, like, early, like, especially when I worked for, like, Invicta, back in the, the beginning, uh, cards, mm-hmm. um, like, first, like, seven or eight, um, yeah, it was, um, I don't know, it's, it, it, I think it's different, I mean, so I, did, I, I I would interview fighters backstage too after they lost, and I don't know. I, I felt comfortable. Cause I, I I never felt because like like I respected what they were doing. I respected you know 
how much it sucks to lose, and I acknowledged. I mean, I knew that, so I I, I was bummed. You know, I, I feel bummed, but I'm, but I'm like, you know, but I just realized this this is what you signed up for. You know, so um, it's not like I have you know just a general respect, and you just know what people are going through. And mm-hmm. I was I was okay, but like late stoppages and stuff like that. Like that just even as a fan, if you're sitting at home, it's just like, dude, stop the fight, just stop the fight. It's just it's the same feeling. It's the same feeling where we're cage side. And has there ever been a time where you didn't get a shot or didn't get a clip and they were like, why didn't you get that? And you had to explain to them, hey, listen, like. Um, no, not like that. Uh, I would, because I think uh, I think the reason why is because I control the footage. So if I don't want that footage released, I, I can put it away. <laughs> yeah, I never see the light. Never see the, uh, yeah, see the light. So, um, no, I, I feel, I mean, it's just, yeah, I mean, I've never had a point, point where I just turned the camera away. Mm. But I'm sure, you know, they're, I mean, I, I know a bunch of my, but I know a few of my friends who, that I feel friends with as fighters, they've lost big fights, and I was just like, ugh, that was, I, w- I was, I was happy I wasn't there, right there, I guess. Yeah. And I, and I think... Uh, yeah, that's that's the problem with that. So sorry, Esther. <laughs> go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say that's it's the the taboo rule. And when I got into this, you know, everyone told me don't be friends with fighters, don't don't be friendly with them. And I feel like that that has changed over the years. I feel like you know the writers, the photographers, you know, everybody in the media part, you you get to know the fighters whether you want to or not. Sometimes, and you really you create that bond, but you keep it professional when it needs to be. Um, is there is there any fighter or any specific person that you guys met and were like, all right, we we got to know more about this person? Well, I mean, I see, well, I see just when, when like when I first saw Izzy Izzy uh, Izzy fight mm-hmm. Izzy, uh, Israel Zanya fight, in the sense that like that guy is amazingly good and he has a real personality. He's a real person. So in that sense, yeah, like I was like this guy just as a journalist, like. I want to, to tell like, I, I, want, I want to follow this guy. I want to, I want to tell this guy's story or help tell this guy's story. So um, I, that's off the t- recent memory. Oh, and Ryan Hall. <laughs> <laughs> I see Ryan Hall like man, that guy like that because like cause he's the opposite. He's in the other end of what is, how the sport is sold. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you think like you know, like images of the old UFC guy. You know, was it in the old logo? That wasn't Ryan Hall. <laughs> you know, like, like Ryan Hall, you know, on those posters, you know, on the posters, you know, him flexing. It's like that, and guys like Ryan Hall still like are reasons why I really like MMA because um, it's like he's like guys, that guy's a freaking killer. Mm-hmm. So you would never know. I, I think it's like one, of the, still one of the best parts. Just in general, though, I say like my, our time at, at Invicta was uh, one of the things. Um, when you work for a promoter, you, you, you get to know the fighters a lot more, and mm-hmm. you know you're not supposed to be friends with them, but when you're working, especially in Invicta, where you feel like, we're just starting out, we're trying to promote women's fighting, we want people to pay attention, so you really do want to learn everything about them, you know? Um, you go out of your way to try to tell a unique story, because everybody should know more about these fighters and celebrate them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um Overall, I'd say, like, just, like, uh, someone like Aliyah Melanie McFarlane, um, when I met her, and I knew that, I found out that she um, did all this work for uh, Native scholarships and 
uh, water and um, <laughs> just protested the telescope. I mean, just like there's a lot of stuff about her that um, just fascinated me. Um, so I wanted to know more uh, about her. So same with like Angela Hill, you know, <laughs> she went to art school, um, all stuff like it just I want to know like Pat Cummins also he has a his degree in ceramics. And when I found that out, I was like, all right, and I need to know why, <laughs> you know, so. And I, it's getting to know the person behind the fighter because there's so much more. Um, and like you guys talked about with social media, it's easier to access fighters. You know, you're not tweeting about football stars or hockey stars or baseball stars and having them write back and have a conversation with you. Whereas you could tweet a fighter and they can just go, oh, okay, and have a three-hour conversation and you end the conversation going, was that the right guy? Like, was I talking to the right person? Because uh, for you guys, and I know this is going to be kind of a loaded question, is there one event that was your favorite to shoot or favorite to be in attendance for? And then answer Casey just going. Uh, me first. Well, uh, I, I, would, I was going to interrupt Casey because I, I, I thought maybe he was going to say, uh, for at least for as a fan, just being there, what well, we were kind of working, mm -hmm. um, didn't have very good access. Uh, but for like the very first uh, Dream K1 Dream Dynamite New Year show that we were able to attend Ooh. in Japan, yeah, yeah. So that for me it was like the 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 most because it was still when they were still doing the big shows, mm -hmm. um, you know, the big walkouts and stuff like that um, were still happening. So. That was kind of, um, I never got to see Pride in, you know, uh, in person. So mm -hmm. that was the closest I was going to get. And uh, I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> I can understand why. Casey? Uh, favorite event? Um, working. Uh, um, when I was work, I was actually doing work for Invicta at the time. Um, I think one of the early Invicta cards, I, I think it was... Uh, uh, Michelle Watterson versus Jessica Penney oh. for the Adam Waite title because I, I shot all their countdown stuff. So I went to Albuquerque. I, I spent a couple of days with Michelle and um, then I met Jessica. I knew Jessica barely, but then I spent some time with her, shot some interviews with her. And um, so, and then, so basically, yeah, I got to see all, the, I got to see all their training, see them get ready for it. I was there for fight week, and then I had to, I got to watch it. We can just one of the best Adam Wake fights I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. It was it was my best. It was my favorite Adam Wake fight I've ever seen up until uh, was it Zoe Ham versus uh, Miyaka Hamasaki um, for this New Year's Eve. Yeah, but uh, it was just it was just an incredible fight. And then I was backstage with them at, both of them afterward, and it was just um, I was like, whoa, this is this is like even though it was in Kansas City, where the what was it, Kansas City, Kansas City, Missouri, there were maybe five hundred people there. It felt like this is the most important sporting event in the world. Like this is the place. I, like I could, there could be a Super Bowl down the street. I would want to be right here shooting this. So that's what I felt like. I meant. Uh, I, I still feel that way. <laughs> Do you feel that you still kind of have to advocate and like educate people about MMA? Do you feel like you can do that um, in a way that would appeal to anybody? No, not I feel. So MMA's good. They're good on their own. They, they we're, we're, I think we're past that. <laughs> now, 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 I think, I think now it's about actually just maintaining 
I don't want to get into 249 too much, but... You, you can say it. Level. You can say it. It's okay. Just maintaining a certain level of dignity. I feel like this sport is like, like this whole week and a half, last two weeks, month, like the sport has gone so far backwards, you know, in a sense that we used to be, like, oh, we're a safe sport where we, we care about these people, care about the fighters, we're going to be regulated, you know, we have proper testing, you know, proper training, proper weight cutting, healthy weight cuts. And then just the last couple of weeks, you're like, dude, you're just, I don't care who's in there, just fight, you know, so, so, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. remove the soapbox. Yeah, 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 yeah. sorry. <laughs> what, what, what was my question? Do, do we play, yeah, to advocate for the sport and stuff? Oh, you know, like... I still feel like we, we do, though, because I know, like, I mean, Casey is that person, like, when we go to Thanksgiving with our family, I mean, everyone is, like, Casey's, like, telling everyone, like, his favorite fights and showing people stuff and, you know, uh, all of our friends that don't watch it or whatever, he's pretty much forced into watching a few events. <laughs> um, we've even gotten tickets for our friends in other cities who don't go to fights just so they'll come see it. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, I feel like it doesn't... Um, you know... Uh, we, we're still pushing people to be fans and watch it, but it's definitely, uh, it's, it's not a you know blind fandom. It's just that this is something I think people should appreciate and understand. And um, yeah, there's so much skill and heart in it. Why would you not want to watch something like this? I don't know. Did you ever get like a, a negative stigma when you guys first started of like, why are you shooting this? Like, why are, why are you doing this? Uh, I mean, my, my dad for... It's still kind of like this but for many years. Was just like, I, you know, you sh you shouldn't be doing this. This is violence and things like that. So, um, yeah, it, it didn't matter that this was actually my job or whatever like that. He was was pretty upset that I was, you know, making a living through what's essentially violence. So, um, so that kind of sucked, and you know, uh, but you know, it's. Just, it, <laughs> Any of the pushback, or actually, you know, it's funny, any of the, the weirder comments or people being like, oh, I can't believe you do that, it all actually came from, because I also work in boxing, it all came from when I started working more in boxing, and I was showing up in boxing, and people would introduce me as Esther, the MMA photographer, <laughs> and then, like, their face would change, and then be like, uh, and like, oh, you shoot that, and you know, blah, 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 so, when I first started doing boxing, it was like, oh, now it's different, people have a kind of a Oh, respect. When I first started doing it, it was, yeah, it was, it was mostly a lot of older people in boxing media, and they were just, like, very disapproving. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. You're right. I forgot. Yeah. yeah, when you started shooting boxing at the beginning, yeah, people were really, like, yeah, they really didn't yeah, respect, your, respect your work, for sure. Yeah. And it was, I can't imagine it was hard to overcome that once you put out some of your work. Um, just because I've seen your work over the years, and, you know, this isn't one of those fanboy situations, but I did get a little fanboy when I found out you were going to be at the, the Tampa UFC event four years ago. And I was like, I look up to this person and getting to meet Casey and Casey was so cool backstage with me. You know, the first time I was doing UFC media and like showing me things and kind of talking me through his equipment. And I was just like, this is family. And this is why I love the media. I feel like we all need to be more connected to each other and not, you know, always, you know, you work for this side or you work for this site. I feel like at the end of the day, like behind closed doors, we're all family. 
Yeah, it's the one thing I actually kind of miss is right now. Um, I, it's nice to be home for a little bit, um, but I do miss my friends on the road. Uh, most of my friends in the last, I don't know, decade or more, I've met through MMA, you know. Um, even friends that aren't involved in MMA, I still met them through MMA, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And um, people, and just stuff like finding your own community within the MMA community as well, right? So, like, us running into Rob and run, finding other, like, metalheads and punk kids and things like that, all of that um, is also part of it, you know. <laughs> There's all these, like, kind of, like, subgroups subgroups and like groups within MMA and you find that it's like um it is like a family it's it's nice I there's like um Kenny's the videographer for MMA Junkie and we're we're always hanging out we're friends we help each other out all the time and I just I've that's my favorite part about it is just kind of the um the family on the road so it definitely makes it much more tolerable (laughs) All right, so I know you thought we were going to be able to get through this entire thing without mentioning the two belts that are on the mantle. Oh. That, uh, so the, the one in the middle, the black one, is for... Am I, so last, what, is there, last year you won, and then I won this year? Uh, I won in 2018, you won in 2019. Yeah, so that's, for, that's our staff picks for MMA fighting. So we, we, we do pick the entire year. So in 2018, Esther was the winner on our staff. This is a, we, we don't release our we don't release our predictions. Yeah, we have private picks. Well, yeah, we you, picks. everybody does. <laughs> so, um, so our private picks, Esther won uh, 2018, and then I won last year, 2019. So that's what that one is. And the white belts are our wedding belts. That, uh, yeah. When we got married, it's our championship wedding belts. So... Yeah, we don't have rings. We just have championship belts that say uh, "World Tag Team Champions" on them. So, yeah. <laughs> those were the two Rainy, I was talking yeah. about. <laughs> Raining and defending. So obviously, the appreciation for the sport. What made you guys want to get belts? Because I got to hear this just directly from you, not in a tweet, not in somebody. I want to know what what made you guys decide to get belts. Jewelry people, Casey definitely doesn't wear any jewelry. Um, and he was just like, he really wanted. I think more than anything, Casey just had this image of his dad holding up the belt over his head, kind of like just like you know, and then like handing it off to us. Um, I think that's what he kind of imagined. I don't know, Casey. Yeah, just like I was like, you know, once we started talking about people about our wedding and. I was like, yeah, we just we can make up our own traditions, you know, whatever. We just screw this and all. Belts, that's clearly what people do. So yeah, that's why. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, yeah, I mean, a little ring. I was like, no one can see the ring from the back, you know. I was like, it's, you know, it's like whatever. Just, it's, it's, uh, have them, make sure everyone can see it. They never got to take pictures of the belt, try it on. Yeah, you can't do that with a ring. It's just weird. But yeah, it just makes sense. I don't know. I don't know why people don't do belts. Actually, I think yeah, that's it's weird. Yeah, it's weird not to have a belt in your wedding. That's I. <laughs> you you guys are all done. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you guys. You got this tiny little ring. Look what I got. Hold up the belt. <laughs> and I love that you guys did that because you are both unique characters and every I think everybody who covers MMA is a unique character in their own way. Like you said, there's so many subcategories and subgenres and finding out metalheads 
Um, you know, Rob and I will do it. Me and Brian will do it. Uh, Rob knows now not to get into a, a gif war with me on Twitter. It doesn't end well for him. <laughs> but And I made sure to wear something metal for you guys to show because, again, being in that, that field, you find out so much more than you're just a photographer, you're just a video editor, graphic designer, whatever the, the labels that you have. There's so much more, and especially when you tell the stories of fighters, Pat Cummings having the degree in ceramics, you're like, what? That doesn't make any sense. I, I got to know more. And you have to create that that environment. So um, how long now have you guys been with MMA fighting together? Um, uh, well, he started in 2009. This is eight. Yeah. UFC, one, UFC 104. Okay. That's when Casey started uh, um, Uh, I, my first event for MMA fighting was 106. I mean, interesting events for the two of those. Uh, I, you know, the one I remember the most of my early events, though, was, um, the one in Memphis with BJ Penn and Diego Sanchez. Oh, 107. Yeah, because, um, because I remember the dog walk. I was going to the hotel. And watching BJ Penn and Diego Sanchez walk the ceremonial ducks out of the elevator into the pond. There's a PR thing. <laughs> there's, a, there's a famous hotel in Memphis that has ducks inside of it, so they did it. Yeah, I don't know. You heard it, yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah, so that was like one of my best early memories from like my first year working. Working with MMA fighting because before that I was just a strike force and elite XC. So, um, so I started. Casey started doing the pilot in 2006. I started at elite XC in 2007. Elite XC folded in 2008, <laughs> and then I joined Strike Force and um, Showtime after that. So yeah, uh, but yeah, 2009 I think was like our first year working for MMA fighting. So we had our 10 year anniversary for them last year. That's pretty exciting. There's not a lot of, like you said, There's it's starting to become where there's a lot of longer tenured media, just because it, I, I feel like once you get in, you, you can't get out. <laughs> or you don't yeah. want to. <laughs> it's a, yeah. we've, actually talk, we've actually talked about that, like, about the journalists, like, yeah, like, stepping away from the, the game, you know, or whatever I call it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it becomes, because it becomes, it's, it's hard to, like you said, like, quit caring about other sports and just in the sporting aspect, you know, and it's just like, it, it becomes, and you realize, oh, oh, MMA is kind of a, it's a lifestyle, I guess, too, and like, I train all the time, too, you know, so, you know, so like, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, it's weird. Yeah, it absorbs your whole life. I, I'm not even sure why. Um, and then you spend all your free time watching K1 Max, and just, <laughs> I, you know, just, Looking at like Kravaka Hitman's like kickboxing gifts. Um, you know, yeah. I, I, he, he posted the other day, he posted uh, highlights from um, Roger Huerta versus Kay Guida. And oh, I God. forgot how much I loved that fight. Such a great like, fight. It's, uh, I, mean, cause I, was, it was, I wasn't there in person, but just watched him. That was one of those I watched as a fan on TV. And I was just like, this fight is freaking amazing. 
and now looking back on it, it's kind of sloppy or whatnot. But like, I don't know, man. Um, the, the, that's all another. That's all well, other some of the best match. some of the best fights have been sloppy. It's not every yeah, great yeah. fight is technical. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's just um, how actually, yeah. <laughs> good fighting versus good, good, smart technical fighting and entertaining fighting are two different things. <laughs> Entertainment, yeah. But uh, yeah, just I don't know. It's just um, it's fun watching old fights during this old break and just you go, oh yeah, man, this that was that was a that was a good time. Yeah, that's been the, the nice thing actually about this time is it's a good moment to revisit history. Mm-hmm. You know, because of the fact that there, were, there are events all the time and stuff like that, we, we now have an infinite amount of time to go back and, you know, discover all of the things. And we're, and as I said, we're now hitting our kind of 10th year anniversaries for a lot of stuff. So, for at least for our own, uh, Casey and I's own archives. So, it's been nice to just go back and revisit all the things that we did. Um, and then just look at old fights that were amazing and share these moments and the reasons why we got into this in the first place. And I feel like that's, you know, Casey's going to be working on his, his uh, decade B-roll <laughs> just for this. Um, the free time, everybody's kind of looking at it as isolation and being almost in a jail cell. Like, you can't do anything, you can't work on anything, you're just stuck and you're supposed to just sit at home. And I love that you guys, like you said, we need... I feel like we just need to recharge the batteries, especially with you guys going to as many shows where you can't really fully appreciate or rest up. You know, Casey, you said, you you know, training and, you know, anything you're doing as they're like, you have to do something. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is a time to better ourselves and really, you know, you know, care for loved ones, make sure, you know, you don't go crazy, but at the same time, lose yourself for a while in old fights. You know. Yeah, yeah, it's been really cool, cool re- revisiting, and I mean, there's so many libraries, you know, of course, like, you have the Bypass Library, but just all the old fights on you, um, YouTube, and then just, um, we have a friend who used to be that guy that would come over and just, like, drop off a stack of DVDs of random events, like, yeah. like Zest, like DSD, like, uh, Tag Team MMA. Oh, jeez. Like, the random stuff like that and it's just like it's so fun to go back i think that's why the 249 stuff is so funny because we went from when they when they sold the ufc's endeavor they were like this is the most regulated sport it's uh it's so you know professional professional blah 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 but at our hearts we're still barge fighting just you know like you can't get away from that. Like the, the core of MMA is still going to be like this kind of gritty underground um, fighting thing, and I, I think that's why do, kind of why, do you we huh? why do you think we love? Why, why do you think we love us personally too? Why do we love Kimbo's life? Oh yeah, you know, just a dude yeah. in the backyard just throwing throwing hammers. Like yeah, cool. My <laughs> eyeball hurts just thinking about it. It really. <laughs> But, but you're right. We, it is that sport where we tried to go so far against the grain to be like, we're going to stand out, we're going to be different. And then we went to the Reebok deal, and it kind of tried to uniform everything. No pun intended there. Um, and, you know, regulate and make it, you know, look at us, look at what we're doing. And then we get to the point where all the other sports are, you know, okay, we're done. You've still got WWE putting on shows and, you know, a couple other wrestling shows. 
And then you have this, and I think even as media, we were all like, are you sure about that? <laughs> like, is that a, you know, we don't need to take 10 steps back. We've worked so hard to get to the mainstream versus looking at what happened in 1993, you know, when the UFC started. You know, when Tank Abbott tried to throw somebody out of a cage, the you know, the earlier UFCs. Um, and and rightfully so. And the only time I that I can remember where that actually happened uh, was the Bobby Southworth James Irvin fight in Strike Force, and they both went straight. <laughs> they didn't lock the door. But for the sport to be around that long and it only happened on a bigger level, like that's pretty impressive. But we've come so far from the days where it was okay to do certain things, where it's not now. You know, we've revised the sport to try to make it more appealing to people without losing what made MMA, MMA. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I even think about this, that, you know, Strikeforce had events at the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> like, that's not a thing anymore. No, we've got, we've got class now. <laughs> Fight Island. <laughs> yeah, Fight Island. I'm, I mean, I obviously, like everyone else, just want to see what it's gonna look like. I just want to know what what is this island? When he says, when Dana White says we're building the infrastructure right now, what does he mean? What is <laughs> what, how much infrastructure is there? So listen, it's gonna I be. Research, yeah. I did a cruise research on islands for sale, and um, you know you can find certain islands that have like airstrips and things like that. It's not too. So it's just got to be underground. And, you know, I can just throw in Stranger Things references because I've been finally catching up on it. It'd be the elevator going down and down and down and down. And then it's like, oh, look, there's an octagon. There's there's your judges. And, I mean, everything's perfectly normal except that we're, you know, five miles under the, the surface. There's no fire island. They just jump in a plane. They blindfold them. They fly around in a circle. They land back in Vegas. They go to the Apex Center and everything's a green screen of a couple of palm trees. <laughs> Casey, you were a little too specific on how that was set up. Do you have something to tell us? Well, I'm just, I mean, I'm just looking, looking at the economics of it. You know, like the set of a whole infrastructure, you have a hospital, you have your clinics, runways, bathrooms, indoor plumbing, hotels with fighters to stay at for what, six months before the world gets back to normal? You know, completely normal? It's like, that doesn't make sense. A couple of green screens and palm trees, you got it. <laughs> I, I probably <laughs> learned something watching Dana White. If there was one thing, I can't even get off of this. I'm right there with Esther, though. Like, I just want to see what it looks like. Like, I know this is terrible, and this is probably a really bad idea, but I really just want to see what it looks like. That's all. If there was one thing you could tell anybody trying to get into MMA media. With all the things you guys have learned. Oh, look at that face. Oh, Casey's like, oh. <laughs> what would it be? We didn't try. It just happened. <laughs> yeah, you know, people write... I get, I get some emails and people asking me, and I have to resist the urge to tell them don't. Um, because there's no, actually there's very few good jobs in MMA media. There are. There are. There's, just, there's only like a handful of sites that can actually maintain full-time staff um, and actually 
actually make a living doing this. Um, so unless it's something you love so much you don't mind writing about on the side, it's not really something that you can make a job, you know, because there's just a, there's just a finite number of positions. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, I would argue that MMA is now uh, in this plateau stage in terms of like now people kind of accept it. So we're kind of just it's not like growing anymore, you know, mm-hmm. like when we when you first started getting into MMA, that was when there was still lots of different promotions and kind of like people going under constantly because people were trying to come up with new ideas. And during that period is when you want to get into something. But now that it's kind of at a plateau, it's, it's, there's just so few jobs in it. Um, and I, I'm so much a proponent of people getting paid for the work they do. It's really hard for me to, um, to let people like people like write me and go like, I want to work for free. And something like that. I was like, I don't have anybody that, from, that works for me that works for free. I'm sorry. Like I can, o- I will only hire someone if I have some budget to pay them. Um, cause it just, it's so much work. And I, and I also, because I, at this point now I expect the output to be professional. I don't want free work. No. You know, I don't want somebody volunteering anymore. Um, so it's hard. I, most of the time when people write us like, what, like, what should I do to get MMA or like, should I do this or whatever? I, all I just tell them is like, just be a professional, show up on time, show up early, yeah. uh, show up early, stay late, um, you know, work hard, be professional. That's all I can really, you know. I, <laughs> but, it was honest. <laughs> yeah. And like, like, like I said, like we didn't, this is, we didn't try to become, like, we, this wasn't like our, we, 10 years ago we sat down and like, you know what, we're going to do this, or we're going to, whatever. It's just like, if you have a passion for it, I always tell them, Find, find some amateur fights, find, find some local guys who just need something, you need, they want their story to be told. Either you're a writer, a photographer, a video person, whatever your craft is, focus on them, do it, and then if it's good, more opportunities are coming, and then more opportunities are coming, and pretty soon, you know, you're, you got a mansion. <laughs> it's that easy. You yeah. keep doing it, keep doing it, mansion. Mansion, yeah. Hey, and just so you know, that mansion's on Fight Island, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much. Um, you know, and it, it really is the advice. You know, I've been covering the sport for a decade. I know the ups and downs, and like you said, there are a finite, you know, positions where even you see some of the best writers um, get let go, and you're going, but, but, no, 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 what, what were you thinking? Like... Not going to name drop anybody, but I think both of you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> so, um, for anyone listening, you know, tell people what you have going on, where they can find you on social media. You know, that whole works. And I'm just going to treat you like fighters because that's what we need to do. Like we said, we're family. And Casey's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm uh, at all elbows on all platforms. So, all elbows on Twitter and Instagram. And Casey. What, what, what did Izzy think your name was? I forgot. Oh. You know, so cute. All Ebos. All Ebos? Uh, <laughs> yeah, like he thought you that Allie. I thought my name was Allie. <laughs> and then my last name was Bose. Um, <laughs> which is, he's not the first person that thought that. Justin Buckles also thought that. A couple other people. <laughs> they thought that my name was Allie and my last name was Bose. So, um, That's cute, eh? So we were talking to Indian um, Melbourne, and I kind of was like, my name's Esther. Because he was <laughs> like, like, thanks, Allie. I think, nice to meet you. And I was like, 
he's super nice. We met more, yeah, but he meets so many people. I was like, I get it. You know, it was just, it was, it was yeah. just funny. But yeah, that's fine. I get that a lot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and then Casey, your your Twitter handle's the easiest. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, E-K-C, letter E, letter uh, K, whatever. And then final question. Are we playing Final Fantasy VII Remake? We're not playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, though I... We got buddies, aren't Yeah, all of our friends are, and I, I really want to, but um, I'm trying not to add anything else to my life that would take a lot of time. <laughs> because, actually, you know, we were saying, like, during this time, we're trying to, like, improve ourselves and things like that, so... I've been trying to learn new skills and things like that, so I want to play more video games, but then I will have less time to learn things. <laughs> Casey's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> if uh, either one of you tweet uh, that you no, have... I'm not, I'm not, I, I, can't, I can't do those games. Those aren't... I don't know. <laughs> Listen, I you was... You can never... call me a nerd. It's fine, Casey. You yeah, can call yeah. me a nerd. She's, she's a big mod hunt girl. Yeah. I mean... I have an August Burns red shirt with a dragon and Zelda on it. So I say Zelda, but it's it's Link, but you know. So anyways, guys, thank you so much for your time. I know this was, I know you thought we were just going to talk about COVID-19 and coronavirus because that's what everybody else is talking about. But um, I really wanted to. (laughs) So I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. We're good. <laughs> uh, cool. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate Thank it. No problem.